the moment that I woke up this morning, the very first moment, very first moment I was consciously awake, the first thought I had was, what day is it? And then I thought, it's Saturday. And then I smiled. And I actually thought about you guys. I thought how excited I was to see you guys tonight, to be here at church. Now, some of you are often here, so I thought about you guys, and I've been prayed for a few of you. And then I also prayed for anyone coming tonight who I didn't know was coming. I prayed for you too. So thanks for being here tonight. Why don't you give yourselves a little hand, if you don't mind, a little, little hand for yourselves for coming out, being in church. That was a pretty, pretty, pretty bad hand you gave yourselves. Can work on self-love, I guess, later on. But anyway, uh, tonight we're continuing our sermon series on uh, parables, psalms, and prayers. And we're talking about how those three different types of, uh, of literature that we encounter in the Bible, we should look at both what they, what the words say, but also how the words are constructed. We talked a few weeks ago about how, how to read a parable and what parables are and how they work. And, and next weekend, I'm going to actually bring to you one of my very favorite parables. Uh, we're talking about that next week. And we talked last week about Psalms, about how, how to read a Psalm and uh, about how a Psalm is a song, but it's also poetry and how to understand the, the intricately woven message of those Psalms. And today we're going to hit the third type of literature we're focusing on this summer, which is, which is a prayer. We're going to actually be looking at a prayer of Paul, which is beautiful and triumphant and really, really amazing. But let me start, just start by saying to, to those of you who financially support us here at Spring Hills, I just want to say again to you, thank you. Thank you for your financial support. Back in the day, uh, before COVID, we'd actually pass a basket at this time for an offering. Now that's all happening digitally or, or at each door, there's a little box. But I just want to remind you, thank you for your financial support. We could not make it without you, and we depend on you and the gifts that you give. And then one more thing, informationally about tonight. Tonight, I will be here preaching uh, to you, with you, uh, but also I'm not alone. I'm going to show you a picture. I'd like you to give a little, a little hand of applause for this young man, Landon Heff. There's Landon right there. Give him a little hand if you don't mind. And uh, after... After you are so sick of me preaching, Landon will walk up and preach uh, one of our points tonight for, for our sermon. So we're excited about him. He is our summer intern, and he is actually kind of awesome. We really love him around here, and he's going to come preach tonight. So give him grace. Let me just say that. So we're talking about prayers, and when you read a prayer in the Bible, I would encourage you, as you as you see any prayer in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, we're focusing tonight on a prayer of Paul. So when you read a prayer of Paul, here's some things you can know as you begin to read this prayer. Number one, uh, what is prayed for is possible. Anything you see in the prayer we'll be studying tonight that you read is possible. Paul is not praying for things that are impossible or could never happen. He's praying for things that are possible for you and for me and for all of us. Number two, what Paul prays for, you can be assured Paul is not praying for things that are not God's will. You can stand on that. You can be confident that what Paul is praying for is, especially in general and broad prayers like this one we're studying tonight, is, is God's will for you and for your life. Number three, you can know uh, Paul's prayers teach us how to pray. Many of you actually have asked me, Pastor Tom, how should I approach prayer? What's prayer look like? Here is an excellent example of things you should be or could be praying over yourself and following this pattern of prayer. And then last of all, number four, uh, Paul's prayer, call us to obedience. There are things in the prayer you'll see tonight that call you to action. And those very things you should take as a call to obedience as you're reading about these prayers. And I've done something very special for you tonight. Many of you might know that Pastor Brad, our worship pastor, just prayed us out from the worship set. Uh, could be 
a professional reader. You probably know that already. So I asked him to read the prayer we're studying tonight. I'm going to put it on the screen. You're going to hear his voice, see a little video with the words, and just begin to get into the prayer that we're studying tonight in this sermon. So here's Pastor Brad reading the prayer for us. Here we go. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So this prayer begins, you kind of want to cheer, don't you? I can feel that out there a little bit. So this prayer begins, and we see from Paul uh, some ways to think about approaching prayer. As you, as you go to pray, here's some things you might be thinking about. He says this, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Uh, that's the, the, the NIV translation. Let me show it to you. In the New Living, I kind of like this a little bit better. Uh, it says this in the New Living. Uh, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And right away, I would say, when you begin to pray, here's what Paul's teaching you. When you begin to pray, it's good to think about what you're about to do to remind yourself who you're talking to. You're talking to God, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I'm going to say something kind of interesting, so stay with me on this. Uh, it is not that the posture of your body when you go to pray really is not very important. We see examples in the Bible of every possible body posture you can imagine, but at the same time, it can be important to think about the posture of your body. And, and what I mean by that is we see every kind of posture for prayer in the Bible. For example, we see, uh, we see Jesus uh, does this interesting thing. Before he prays, Jesus, it says in John 17, 1, uh, he looked to heaven. His eyes are open. He's looking to heaven. He opens his hands and he prays. We also see in the Bible, uh, Peter knelt in prayer. We see in the Bible, Jeremiah stood to pray. We also see Nehemiah sat down to pray. We see Abraham prostrated himself before God, and Elijah put his head between his knees. So, as you can tell, any body posture is fine, but you also might want to think about what would it mean to kneel? What would it mean to, like Paul says as he begins this prayer, I kneel, I kneel before my Father in heaven, and I bring to mind who God is and who I'm speaking to. Some time ago, we actually were hosting in our church right here, we were hosting what we called a 24-hour seasons of prayer. 
would sign up for a whole hour of prayer, all day, all night, 24 hours, and they drive to the church, and, and the person before you would let you in the door, and you come in, and you pray for an hour in the church before a big event. We had this happen one time before an Easter service, and, and no one signed up for the 4 a.m. spot for prayer. So I signed up for it, 4 a.m., no problem. That morning, I woke up about 3.30 or so, got put on my clothes. I'd set out, and I, I drove in. By the way, it's very uh, very dark and very easy drive at 3.30 in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. And I got here. The person before me prayed for me, gave me, gave me uh, you know, some instructions, and I began to pray right here in this room. And, and up here at the altar, there was music playing, and there were some pillows here. And people had been praying hour after hour after hour. And I came in to that hour of prayer. I remember it so clearly. I was right here, right in the spot, and I got right on my knees. And right there on my knees before God, 4.15 in the morning, in the silence of this church building, it was easy to stop everything and focus on who I was praying to. Let me challenge you with that. Just, just challenge you that it's okay to pray while you're driving, while you're walking, while you're running, whatever you're doing, any posture is okay. But you also may want to regularly consider some of the elements that Paul gives us as we enter into prayer. This is your first fill-in, actually, and I think it shows us how we might approach God as we go to pray. Here's fill-in number one. We should approach God with reverence on our knees, perhaps, or at least in our heart, reverent before God, submitting to his authority, that's being on your knees before God, and remembering who he is in his life. We should approach God with reverence, submitting his authority, and remembering who he is as we, as we step into prayer. The next verse of this prayer, I, I truly, truly love this verse, Ephesians 3.16. Paul says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. Let me read that again. You guys say the word power. Get ready. Here we go. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with through his, through his spirit in your inner being. Now, this is a, a really important thing to look at. The word power here, that's the Greek word dunamos. We get our English word dynamite from that Greek word dunamos. And, and dunamos power is the power of God. In fact, three times that word is used in this prayer. Power, power, power. And Paul's praying. So we know, I've already said, what you read in a prayer is, is possible. It's possible that God would strengthen you with power in your inner being by his Holy Spirit. Also, we can understand that, that I already said to you, that's the will of God, that God would strengthen you with power. Now, the word strengthen, that we're gonna stick on that word for a minute here, is it's a compound word. It just, just means two things. It means make strong, make strong. That's strengthen. But, but understanding when something is made strong, it means, stay with me, it means it's, it's already weak. It, it, this verse actually could be saying, there are places in your life where you are weak places where you're weak and, and where you need the power of God and the strength of God to meet you in that moment of your weakness. Some of you, your, your weak spot is, is early in the morning. You, you, in your heart, you're saying, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to work out. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be in the Bible. I'm going to get up. I'm going to be a morning person. But when your alarm goes off, you, the, the, the snooze button just looks like three feet long and you slap at it. Who struggles a bit in the morning? Just raise your hand, raise your hand, right? Some of you struggle in your weakness. Your weak spot is, is when your temper is engaged. Some of you in this room or watching online, you know, I know, you've got this temper. It's like there's already a low boil inside of you and the moment something happens you don't like, your temper springs up and that's the moment of weakness when you need the strength of the spirit to meet you in that place of your weakness. Some of you, just listen, some of you are seducible to a temptation. 
And you're doing fine. You're doing great all the way until you come in that moment. You come in contact with a possible temptation. And all of a sudden, that is the moment of your weakness. You know, for me personally, let me just tell you about myself a little bit. You know, uh, this awesome thing happened last fall. Both my youngest kids went off to college. Praise God. It was awesome. You didn't laugh or cheer for that. Okay. Uh, I'll say it. I'll say it differently. I was so sad. Both my kids went off to college last fall. But when the kids left, what happened, this interesting thing happened. The only people buying food for our house were my beautiful wife, Tracy, and I. And guess what? The food in our house was incredibly healthy. You'd be like, I want a snack. Well, we have kale and romaine. That's your two options. It was really healthy food in our house. And you know what? That was great. I like to be healthy and, and stay healthy. And then, and then all of a sudden, these two amazing young girls came back in the house. And with them came Oreos, goldfish, Ritz crackers. And you know, I'm pretty strong. I'm pretty good. If you brought me a goldfish right now, I'd be like, ha, 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 goldfish means nothing to me. But right about 9, 30, 10 o'clock, 11, midnight, everyone's asleep in the house, right? Except me, I'm up, I'm still up. I'm probably praying, you know, or chanting or something, uh, you know, chanting a hymn or something like that. And all of a sudden, right there, like 1130, midnight, whatever it is, all of a sudden, the Oreos, they start calling my name. This is what they say. They're like, liberate us. And then they'll say this, we're delicious. And then I'll get up out of my recliner like a zombie. Like in a moment of weakness, just like, I think there's Oreos somewhere. And, I, you know, I, I, I hear them, and, you know, and all of a sudden in this moment of weakness, it's right there. So Paul is actually saying to us, in the moment of weakness, you can have access to the strengthening power of the Holy Spirit. So right now, I want you to raise your hand as, an, as a, a, a confession. You have places of weakness and you need the strengthening power of the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand right now. You need it. Absolutely, you do. But you know what you got to do? You got you to ask yourself a question. How do I get it? How do I get the strengthening power of the Spirit the moment that I need it? And I'm going to give you a solution to this. Here's how I think it happens more often than not. More often than not, I think you are strengthened by the Holy Spirit when you do a simple, simple thing. You ask for it. James says to us with the clarity, James says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Imagine me. Imagine me going in to get an Oreo at, you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I should pray for God's strength. That might change everything as you pray and ask for the strength of God. Jesus says to us with clarity, ask, seek, and knock. Ask, it'll be given to you. But then also this idea that James gives us, really important to get it. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Now, now this is something that's really important. If you, if you want to become a person who would say at any time, I know, the strength of God is one prayer away. You've got to develop that belief to know, yes, I can count on God to strengthen me in the moment that I need it. I believe it. I have faith in that moment. You know, I, I, I remember this, uh, talking about prayer. I remember a really powerful moment where I saw someone who had this incredible faith. Let me tell you the story really fast. This story happened when I was 25 years old, a long, long, long time ago, and I was in seminary, and I was also teaching here at Granville Christian, and I had a student in my class, African-American young lady, and we all loved her. Her name was Shamika, and Shamika uh, was just, a, she's just a really, really fun young girl, and, and she had a little attitude. She's a little sassy, you know, and, and one day she came to my class, and she said, Mr. Pound, I need to talk to you after class. I said, great, Shamika, no problem. And so the class ended, she came to me and she said, here's my problem. Um, I don't think I believe in God anymore. 
I think I lost all my faith in God. It's Christian school, right? She said, I, I, lost, I lost all my faith in God. I don't, I don't think I believe in God at all anymore. And I, and I somewhere in my mind, a, a file opened of like, how would someone believe in God? And I looked at her with a straight face. I looked at her with a straight face and I said, Shamika, there are three classical arguments for believing in God. The teleological, the ontological. And right in that moment, as I'm giving her this, I looked at her face and she looked like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I realized I, I, I was, you know, I was 25 years old. I was young, inexperienced. And I realized I, I can't think of anything to say to her between classes changing to give her faith in God. But I had this one thought, you know what? My dad is downstairs in his office. And I bet the old man can say something for Shamika. So I said, Shamika, let's go talk to my dad. Now, Shamika loved my dad. My dad loved Shamika. And we walked downstairs. My dad's in his office. And I knock on the door. And he said, come on in. And I said, I'll never forget this as long as I live. My dad's sitting there on his, by his desk. And I said, Dad, Shamika's struggling with faith in God. And he said, Shamika, are you struggling with faith in God? And, and she said, yeah. And my dad said, you know, I, I could tell you about faith in God. And then my dad said this. He said, why don't we just ask God if he's real? Let's just ask God together if he's real. He said, why don't you bow your head? And Shamika walked up to him. And my dad used his like incredibly like uh, deep voice that he had for prayer. And, and he said, Father God. My dad said that. He said, Father God, I could already feel the Holy Spirit, the peace of God, just, just kind of already just settling on the room. And, and, and my dad just said with this total clarity, he said, God, Shamika needs to know that you're real. And then my dad said this, but more importantly, that you love her. Tell her right now, that you love her. I looked at Shamika. I know, eyes closed. I know, I know. But I looked at Shamika. And all of a sudden, she's crying. These tears right down her face. I could feel it. I could feel God's love. I could feel God's peace. And, but this whole thing with my dad was like a one-minute encounter. And my dad looked at her and he said, amen. And he said, Shamika, do you believe in God? She said, yes, Pastor Jeff. And she said, Shamika, does God love you? And she said, yes, I'll never doubt it again. And then my dad looked at me. This is so beautiful. He looked at me and he winked like, I got this. Just like that. And then Shamika and I went off to go to the next class, and, and that's how it happened. You know, since then, that has been the only model I've ever followed to say, you know what? If you, if you need to know that God is there and God loves you, let's just ask God together. But I'll tell you, it takes faith. It takes this idea that I can trust God. I believe that God is right there. Remember, James said it like this. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. And the way to have that kind of faith is to step out step out of the boat, step on the water and say, God, I trust in you. How many would say, again, raise your hand. You'd say, I need it. I need the strengthening power of God to meet me in my weakness. Raise your hand, right? Here, here's the fill-in, fill-in number two. Here it is, right here. Number two, as we pray and boldly ask him, God strengthens us through his Holy Spirit in our life. Now, listen to me, write that down. But do not go back to the old way where you weren't asking God to strengthen you in a moment of weakness. Live in a new way. Live with the knowledge that God desires to strengthen you right when you need it. Now, Paul goes on to say this. And verse 17 is confusing. We're not going to stay on this a long time. We know, if you know this, just, just uh, give me a nod, okay? We know when you accept Christ, Christ lives inside of you. You know that already, right? But Paul says something interesting here. He says, when you're strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And no doubt what he means here is that you're, you're aware of it. When the, when the power of the Spirit strengthens you in a moment of weakness, you're reminded and you know Christ dwells in me. And then he goes on to say this, second part of verse 17. And I pray, Paul says, that you being, I'm gonna stop here. When I stop, I want you guys to jump in. Just loudly, loudly say the words. Here we go. And I pray that you being and 
in love. Oh, it's beautiful. I pray that you're being rooted and established in love. Now, rooted and established, obviously, is a metaphor. And so inside the prayer, Paul uses a metaphor that puts a picture in our mind of what he's praying for, of what he wants for us. And what he wants for us, listen, is possible. And what he wants for us is the will of God. Here's the picture right here. It's a tree, right? The tree is established. It's not, it's not moving. It's, it's, it's established. And the tree has roots. Let me again show you this in the, in the New Living. So that, in this translation, your roots will grow down into God's love and those roots will keep you strong. Now, Landon's gonna come just in a second. He's gonna talk about the love of God. It's gonna be great. Get excited about that. But first, let's talk about how being rooted can make you strong. We already learned that the Holy Spirit, Paul prays, the Spirit would give us strength in that moment. But we also know being rooted allows us to be strong. Now, think about roots and what they do. Roots mean that when the, when the storm comes, when the wind blows, when everything's hard, when everything is not the way you imagine, you, you have strength. Or if you, if you know in, in a storm, if the roots do not hold in a storm, then you would say the storm was strong and the roots were not strong in that moment. You've got you've to say the roots can make me strong. Now let's talk about some other things. Paul's not praying for these things, but we understand this is how we become rooted, how the prayer of Paul is answered, how we become rooted and established. Here's what David says to us in Psalm 119, 28. Strengthen me according to your word. Now stop there for a second. How many of you guys know this already? You can be strengthened by the word of God. When your roots grow down deep into the word of God and you're reading it and studying it and, and knowing the word of God, it allows your roots to grow. It allows when, you, when you're able to take time and say, I wanna be in the word. I, I, this is why we're studying prayers and parables and, and Psalms to, that you could have a, a, some understanding of how do I study it? How do I see it? How, how do I let the word become the roots in my life? Clearly, Paul is telling us that we can be rooted, of course, by, by God's spirit, not rooted, but strengthened by God's spirit. And then also we're strengthened by God's word. One more thing, by the way, that strengthens us beyond God's word and God's spirit. Paul says it here in 1 Thessalonians. Paul says, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and coworker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you. Now, you already know this. People in your life, God, God gives you people. And when you have pe the people of God in your life, you are strengthened by those people, those people that God puts in your life. And they say the right thing at the right moment. They strengthen you. They encourage you. They, they, they help you in those special moments of your life. Now, when you think about being rooted, you might have this picture. Okay, Paul says he's praying that we'd be rooted and established. And that might be your picture right there. But I want to challenge you, maybe the picture looks a little bit more like this, that our roots are growing together with each other, that all of us in the family of God are rooted together for strength and for encouragement, for nourishment from God's word, God's spirit, and God's people as well. You know, when trees grow together, they share nutrients. Do you know that, by the way? Once I woke up uh, about 2.30 in the morning, this is sadly not uncommon for me. And when I wake up at 2.30 in the morning, uh, I, I try to watch the most boring thing I could find. And I found a, a documentary on trees. And I'm like, this is gonna work. This is gonna put me back to sleep. No problem. And I started watching this documentary on trees. And it said right away, uh, trees communicate with each other and trees share nourishment with each other. And I was fascinated and I didn't go to sleep again that night. Anyway, um, Imagine trees. Imagine the rootedness, how the roots grow together. Now, the picture here is you. 
You and other people who are following Christ, maybe in your community group or maybe just at church or someone you go to or a mentor you look for in your life, this rootedness. And as you're rooted together, there's additional strength. I'd love to have you consider fill in number three. Another source of strength comes from being deeply rooted in God's word and joined together with God's people in your life. Now, right away for you, the question very simply is this. Are you rooting yourself in God's word? Yes or no? Are you or are you not? It's probably not a middle ground. Kind of. No, not really. Either you are rooting yourself in the word of God or you are not. And I'm challenging you today. Make it a priority. Make it the priority that says, you know what? I will root myself in the word of God and I want to grow spiritually in my life. And how about people? Are you putting yourself in situations? We have at this church, we have continually and constantly opportunities for you to join a group, women's Bible study, men's Bible studies, community groups, all kinds of important things that you could easily join and, and have your hearts joined together with someone else. How are you strengthened? The spirit of God, the word of God, and the people of God strengthening you. Now, two things we saw in that verse, being, being strengthened, and also the love of God. Landon's going to come now. He's going to talk about the love of God. Come on up, man. Give him a little hand if you don't mind. Anticipating what's about to happen. I think I, yep, okay. Hi, well, good evening, Spring Hill. Um, it is so nice to be with you. Um, truly a joy and an honor. So, as Tom kind of gave away, uh, my name is Landon Hess. Um, and I am your summer intern um, here at the church. So it has been truly amazing um, to be with you guys, um, and I am super excited to be here today as well. So I am a student at Cedarville University. Um, it's currently studying to get my undergraduate degree in biblical studies and then also my master's in divinity to eventually go um, and be a pastor. So it's been neat to be working alongside Tom and see more of what he does. And yes, he does more than, than just preach. He, he has a very busy week. <laughs> so yeah, thank you again for just having me today. So we're going to jump right into the text, right where, right where Tom left off in verse 18. So it says, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And so as, as I was reading this the first time, the, that, that phrase that the Lord's holy people really jumped out at me. Or I, I've got my, my ESV and the word there is the word saints. I was like, okay, who, who are the saints? Because it's, it's obviously not St. Patrick and it's not St. It's not Nicholas, but, but clearly Paul is talking about something different here. He's, he's talking about those, those people that are, that are in Christ, that believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, he goes back to this in the beginning of Ephesians. He addresses the letter to the, the saints, the Lord's holy people who are, who are in Ephesus. He, this, use, this word is used 67 times in the New Testament. We, we see it a lot, these, these Lord's holy people, the, the saints, those, those people that are in Christ, those people that believe the gospel. That being said, Paul clearly wants those people the people who are set apart in Christ, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ truly is. This word grasp, the, the Greek word there is katalambano. Can you say that with me? Katalambano? There we go. That's, that is a mouthful, right? No, right? Yeah. 
praise God that we all speak modern English and not ancient Greek. Um, but anyways, so that, that word there, it's katalambano, but we see that again in 1 Corinthians 9 where, where Paul's talking about running the race and finishing the race and then reaching out and grabbing a hold of the prize. And in, in that section of scripture, Paul's talking about physically reaching out and grabbing a hold of something. Well, I, I think he, he may have something a little bit different in mind here where, where he's talking about mentally grasping something, comprehending something. Right? He, he wants, he's praying that we would understand how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ really is. Now, as we're, as we're looking at these um, parameters, these directions of Christ's love, how, how long and wide and high and deep this, this love is, I, I think it would be pretty irresponsible of us to not also consider what that means. So if, if this love is as wide and as long and as high and as deep as we can possibly imagine. And we'll see it's beyond that even. This love has to be huge. It's beyond anything that we can possibly understand. It, 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 it just keeps going on. Paul's saying it's, it's, not, it's not that there's a little bit of love here, maybe, maybe a little bit of Christ's love over here and some down here, but rather Christ's love is so big that we cannot even begin to comprehend that love. So this is a picture of me. In seventh grade, yes, that is, that is actually me. I'm not even kidding. I didn't look up like funny looking little kid. Um, but this is a picture of me in seventh grade. For context, I was band president, clearly. Um, but I had a very important trumpet solo um, in our competition piece. So I was very excited about that. But it, as, a, as a part of the seventh grade band, you get to go on this super cool trip to Kalahari. Um, you stay the night there. And then after, after you stay the night at Kalahari, you go to Cedar Point the next day and you get a play in a, play in a concert, a competition there, and then spend the day, spend the day at the park. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. But, but we, got to, we got to Kalahari and we get to our room. And I remember my, my good friend Micah went to the restroom. And while he was in the restroom, I was, I was in the room. And I was like, man. I want to pull a prank on Micah. And I, I, my, my seventh grade mind starts going. I'm like, man, what is a good prank? And the best thing that I came up with was microwaving his phone. <laughs> yes, I, yes, microwaving his, like the kitchen appliance, microwaving his phone. So as a seventh grader, I did it because that's the only reasonable thing to do. I microwaved his phone. And the Kalahari security team did not like that because I made a bomb. Um, and so my poor, poor dad had to drive for four, four or five hours late on a Friday night to come pick me up. Now, as I was sitting in the lobby of Kalahari with the band director, I could not help but imagine that the steam coming out of my dad's ears as, as he was just driving in the car, just wanting to rip my head off, right? You know, like a reasonably so. But, but it, it will forever stick with me, my dad's response to that situation. Because my, my dad got there, and rather than losing his temper with me, he, he just showed me this amazing love. My, my dad's love for me in that situation stood out, and yet, yes, I was punished. That very reasonably so. We see in Proverbs that a loving father should punish his children. But, but throughout the years that continues to come back of, wow, my dad truly loves me. And that, that being said, how does this relate back to, our, back to our text? Christ's love 
blows the love that my dad shows me out of the water. It, it doesn't even begin to compare. Christ's love is so big, so beyond that of our imagination, that my dad can't even compare to that. But Paul doesn't stop there. He continues on in verse 19. He says, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So the, the, the first word here is that, that word know. We, we looked at the word grasp, but now, now Paul's praying that we would, we would know this love. Not just grasp it, but that we would know it. Now, I, I think it's important to note here that Paul isn't praying that we would know about Christ's love. Paul, Paul's praying that we would truly know Christ's love. And I was thinking about this, and I just when I first met Tom, he, he looked at me as we were talking about some intern stuff. And he was like, hey, like, how are you feeling about the church? Like, are you comfortable with it? And I was like, well, like, I, I know about it. Like, I, I know about the church. I've, I've scrolled through your Instagram and looked at your YouTube, and I've, I even listened to a podcast and stuff. But, but I, I didn't know the church. I knew about the church. I, I knew about the, And now, now that I've spent some time here, I, I begin to recognize the fact that I'm now starting to know the church. In the same way, Paul's calling us to know the love of Christ. He, he doesn't want us to know about the love of Christ. He wants us to know the love of Christ. Knowing, knowing about the love of Christ is common. We see, we see people all the time that know about the love of Christ. However, to know the love of Christ, that's, that's wildly different. That, knowing the love of Christ crushes fear. Knowing the love of Christ brings peace. Knowing the love of Christ brings salvation. Knowing the love of Christ is wildly different than knowing about the love of Christ. And, and then Paul continues on. He, he says, this, we, we, should, we need to know this, but, we, but this, this love, it, it surpasses knowledge. And I, I, can, I can just picture the, the Ephesians as they're sitting there reading this letter, and they're like, okay, Paul, like, how do you want us to know this if it surpasses knowledge? That doesn't even make sense. Got another illustration for you. <laughs> this is my dog. Her name is Malam. Very fun name. Yeah, I'm hearing some alls. That's kind of yeah. So, so you you guys are like, oh, right? She's super cute. Now, the part that you don't know about her is how wonderfully behaved she is, right? And my my mother loves it when she pees on the floor. Um, she is so she's kind of fluffy. You see that, like with her paws, right? If if it's snowy outside, she'll go outside and she'll get snow in between her fingers, okay? And then she'll come back in, and the floor will get all wet. My mom loves that. And this is when Malam ate the stairs. Um, that is something that she actually did. Yeah, we went downstairs for like an hour, and she ate the stairs. So what's, what's my point in telling you guys this? I don't know why I love my dog. Clearly, I have plenty of reasons not to. But I continue to love my dog. This, this love, it, it surpasses knowledge. I mean, much like Christ's love for us. I can't, I can't help but feel like my dog. I, I regularly am messing up. I'm peeing on the floor all the time, right? But, but, but Christ looks at that and he goes, I still love you. That's the difference between our love and the love of Christ. And that, that, that brings me to our point. You need to be wholeheartedly seeking to grasp and to know the overwhelming love of God. You need, you need to wholeheartedly seek 
to grasp and to know the overwhelming love of God. So, so how, how do we do that? How do we seek to grasp and to know the overwhelming love of God? Well, we, we, we looked at the, what grasping and knowing is a little bit, but that, that seek, we, we know that love is relational. And so how are we to suggest that we, we would be growing closer to someone if we don't spend any time speaking to them? There's, there's no relationship there. How would we ever grow closer to them? As, as Tom said, we need, to be, we need to be rooted in the Word. We, we need to be reading our Bibles regularly, being in the Word. Additionally, we, we need to be praying. We need to be listening to the Lord in that way. If, 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 I, were to, if I were to wake up and say, hey, and then at each meal, I would sit down and be like, hey, thanks for the food. And then before I went to bed, I, I looked at you and I said, hey, please make sure I don't die. And then I just did the same thing each and every day. Like, I, that's not a healthy relationship. And yet, just so often, that's what we're doing to God. I, I just want to challenge you guys in this, that we, we would truly be rooted in God's word and God's spirit and in God's people. So thank you guys so, so much for having me. I'm going to hand it back over to Tom now. So just so you guys know, I, I read the manuscript that, uh, that Logan wrote and the IP on the floor often was not in the manuscript, just, just in case you guys didn't approve that section. All right, verse 20. Here we go, verse 20. Uh, so Paul ends the prayer in verse 20 and 21, and Paul says this. Now to him, listen, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I would submit to you the idea of something being immeasurable is twice in this prayer. Something immeasurable is to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's you can't measure the love that is the love of God. And now we see again this word immeasurable. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, and that's pretty awesome right there. But then Paul goes one step higher, or imagine. According to his power, third time the word power is used in this prayer. His dunamis, his power at work inside of us. Now I'll tell you what, what I think about this. I think there's a lot of people who follow Christ, a lot of good people who follow Christ, and they, they expect God to answer answerable prayers. An answerable prayer is a prayer that would be like, God, I'm traveling, and so I pray I could arrive safely at the destination where I'm traveling, but as you pray it, you know probably most likely I'll get there safely. And I'm just praying, I'm praying this safe, answerable prayer. But this verse is actually calling us to pray what I call big, bold prayers. Pray big, bold prayers because God can do more than you can ask or imagine. Maybe as you think about verse 20, you need to evaluate the kind of prayers that you're praying. Are your prayers weak? Are your prayers small? Are your prayers for things that are probably going to happen anyway, and you're not really putting yourself out there to pray big things? Now, when I think about verse 20, uh, the first thing I think about, about God doing immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine is, is people. I know people that have claimed Ephesians 2.20 as their, what they call their life verse. They're, they're like, this verse typifies my life. And they've got these incredible stories of how God healed them of a, a disease or how God fundraised for their ministry or, or things have happened, amazing things. In fact, in fact, there's someone in the room right now that I once prayed for, uh, for, for healing and God did something more than we ever asked or imagined. It was amazing. But when I think about this verse, verse 20, I actually think about this and I, wanna, I just wanna give you this idea. I think about Ephesians 3.20, and it actually refers to my entire life. 
that when I thought about, when I, when I at, at 25 years old, said to God, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm hearing, I'm hearing you speak. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to follow you. That at that moment, when I, at 25 years old, began following God with all my heart, what I found was God did more in my life from age 25 to now that I'm, now that I'm 51. I know that shocks you. That how could I ever be that old? I know what you're thinking. But now to look at my life and say, yes, absolutely. God has done immeasurably more than I could have imagined with my life. You know, that I had this thing happen uh, yesterday. It was awesome, awesome and not awesome at the same time. Yesterday, I went to the hospital uh, to visit someone that I know, I've known for 20 plus years in the hospice wing, and he was taking the last breaths of his life. And I got to be with his family. I got to pray with them. I got to see them. And then I went right down to the third floor, maternity ward, and I got to see a baby born that day, to pray over the end of a life and to pray over the beginning of the life. In that same moment, I was walking out of the hospital. Pastor Gary happened to be there at the same time I was there. And I was walking out amazed. Look at what God has done just with my life, a life that I had messed up, a life that I had basically ruined in just 24 short years. God has taken and made something more than I can ask or imagine. Some of you tonight are holding on to your life and you're afraid to let go. You're afraid to say to God, God, I surrender all of myself to you. But when you do, when, when, you, when you say to God, God, take my life wherever you want it to go, I am sold out, radically sold out for you. You can expect this, that God will do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. And we live in a, in a, in a dark age. We live in a dark time. We see dark things happening in our society, in our culture, around the world. But if you have this perspective, the perspective of this fifth fill-in, it changes how you live. Understanding God desires to do more than you could ask or imagine. That's what God wants. To you to see it, to know it. There is more out there than you could ask for or you could even imagine. Trust Christ with your life. Trust him. Trust him with who you are. Trust him with how you live. And would you bow your heads just now? The praise team is going to come and sing this last song with us. And we're going to have a baptism. It's going to be beautiful. Hope you're excited about it. Father, we thank you that you desire to do more than we can ask or imagine. We thank you for the love of God, a love that is so large we can't know how high and long and wide and deep it is. We thank you that you strengthen us in the moments of weakness. You arrive with strength to strengthen us, to know you, love you, and follow you. Father, I thank you for, for young Landon preaching tonight and, and God, for all of us on a journey with you, growing to be who you're calling us to be. As we sing this last song, as we witness this, this baptism, fill us with your joy, the joy of the knowledge of the love of God, poured out for us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.